there's a lot to be said for entrepreneurship and life experience as well because you do tend to put that life experience or reflect on it and then put it back into your your company. And so there's two things I, I wanted to mention as well. One is statistically, women or female founders who do get funded tend to deliver close to th- a three times higher return to their investors than their male counterparts. Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate, and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood Club podcast with myself, Georgie Hubbard. And me, Pam Caldwell. Today, we are very excited as we are joined by the wonderful Jackie Bloom. Jackie is an extraordinary entrepreneur with over 25 years experience starting, scaling businesses and helping others do the same. Jackie focuses her energy on ventures that are purpose-driven and is committed to making a difference in others' lives. Founding a business supporting female founders, she is on a mission to fund and support female-led talent to ensure they succeed. She believes we are stronger together, which is something Pam and I feel very passionate about as well. Jackie, amazing to have you here today. I'm very excited to get stuck into this podcast because... As I said before we kicked off, I read some alarming stats and uh, very keen to get your thoughts on it. But before we dig into that, um, do you want to start with just a little bit of introduction to yourself, um, you know, your journey into entrepreneurship, what got you excited about getting into this VC world and helping women get their businesses off the ground? So over to you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what brought you here today. With pleasure. Good morning, ladies, and thank you so much for inviting me onto your fabulous Sisterhood podcast. Um, Really excited to be here and not just to share, you know, my perspective and and journey, but also to hear a little bit about yours and hear a bit more about the Sisterhood Club as well, because I think it's really cool what you guys are doing or what you ladies are doing. Um, (laughs) So do we. So do we. (laughs) (laughs) So... A little bit of uh, background about myself. I I don't even want to say how long ago it was since I started in business, but I was very young um, and I really grew up in a family business, a family environment and vowed at the kitchen table to never be part of the family business. And lo and behold, sure enough, I was at university studying um, business of, or Bachelor of Business Management at the time and Mum and Dad approached me and said, how about you join the company? And, uh, well, you know, <laughs> 30 years later, I you know, I can actually vouch and say I did it. Um, and it's been a really, really interesting journey, particularly as a female in business. Um, back then, you know, in the, in the late 90s and early 1000s, it was such an interesting process because I, I was – really blessed to have uh, been given the opportunity to learn every facet of the business. And, you know, when you're in a a wholesale and retail company um, importing and exporting, there are a lot of facets to learn. So I I got to um, embrace things like administration, um, retail, wholesale uh, import and export, 
Um, I went on numerous, I ended up being the buyer, so I went on numerous buying trips overseas um, and got to see a lot of the world. Um, and then eventually, and you know, also in a marketing role, I did my post-grad while I was at, um, as part of the family business as well. And and what was interesting was I was very, very young to be managing um, a, not just a family company, but a company that uh, traditionally held um, or had staff who, or a team who were mature age women. Mm-hmm. And so I had ethnic mature age women reporting to me and I was, you know, probably mm-hmm. more than half their age. So mm-hmm. that was probably my biggest challenge in business early on um in terms of you know coming up against men in in the fashion industry um it wasn't as much of a challenge as it was I suppose because I could get away with being young and being really cheeky (laughs) and that Mm -hmm. held me in good stead whereas you know I'm I have no doubt now being older I wonder you know, how much you could actually get away with in terms of being cheeky versus needing to be ruthless or, um, you know, really savvy. So that was a a really interesting experience. And then moving along, um, you know, I had done a myriad of things in between. I very sadly lost my mum to cancer um, towards the end of my running of Bloom Fabrics and that so I continued it for another three years, but it was really her baby. It was her passion project. Mm-hmm. And what I found, um, again, being young at the time, having a very young family as well, um, and then having just lost my mum, I really sat back and thought there's got to be more to life and more to this world than fashion. No, as much as I still love it, um, Mm -hmm. they're really, I just realized I wasn't fulfilling my passion or my purpose. And Mm -hmm. so I then uh, went into palliative care, which was, you know, a very different journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Started a business back then and realized that I, whilst it was really fulfilling um, from a career perspective, what was happening was the business that I had built was becoming um, much more of a care agency. And at that point in time, it wasn't what I wanted to, or wasn't what I was trying to establish. If I knew then what I've learned now, you know, it would probably be a, a tremendously successful company had I have um, ridden the waves and, and actually really picked the low hanging fruit versus going against mm-hmm. the grain and saying, no, that's not what I'm trying to build, this is what I'm trying to build instead. And so, you know, with every single journey that I've taken, you learn um, a tremendous number of lessons. And and the most important thing I I believe is taking those lessons on board um, and being able to implement them into your next phase. And Mm -hmm. someone once said this recently, which I absolutely love because a lot of women tend to look on their failures um, and really put themselves down for it. And rather than saying, oh, you know, I haven't been successful for numerous reasons, you can actually turn around and say, no, 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 what I'm doing is a career pirouette. Rather than, you know, I've failed at this, so I've got to move on to the next role. What am I doing and how am I doing it? You're actually doing a little dance. 
and you're just twirling mm. and spinning around and you're taking, you know, you're moving forward on the stage, but you're just taking a, a different turn. And so I really love that euphemism of, um, of doing this pirouette because I think it's so important to motivate ourselves and to embrace change versus put ourselves down for change. Mm-hmm. Can I just say I absolutely love that career pirouette. I have never heard that in my life before. No. I'm going to start using that over the word pivot. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah because yeah. pivot almost has a negative connotation where you go, oh, I've got to stop mm. and it's a knee-jerk reaction and now I've got to turn and pivot and do something else. Whereas your pirouette mm. allows flow. And I think flow is mm. so important because you're not just, just again, the word, you allow yourself this beautiful dance and that's what Mm. I've come to learn that life is all about it's a dance and you know but had we have had this conversation yesterday it would probably have been very different um, because I did feel like I was hitting my head up against a brick wall yesterday whereas today I'm dancing So, <laughs> yes, I'm glad. We, I'm glad we've got you on a day that you're dancing. Yes, so I think there is just so <laughs> there's just so much to unpack with everything you've just said there, Jackie. And I just want to say thank you for sharing about what happened with your mum because, um, you know, like I think that's that was I can imagine a very challenging time for you, and that just knowing that perhaps it was her passion, not your passion, would have been a real sort of moment and and a pillowette in your in your life where you sort of changed you know so I think that was really beautiful for thank you for sharing that and you've touched upon something very important there um just the way you said about you know yesterday you felt you were banging your head against the wall and today you're feeling good again and I think that that's business right that's just life and I feel like you know in our society a little bit we we definitely tend to glamorize you know, success and think that it's all going to be, you know, rainbows and sunshines every day. And if you don't wake up happy, then, you know, you're, you're a negative person. That's just not true. I think, you know, that we need to really have these honest conversations, not every day in business or every day in your life's going to be good. Some days it's going to be really frigging Mm -hmm. hard. And some days you're going to be sat there scratching your head going, what on earth am I doing? Like there's easier jobs. Like Pam and I multiple times say to each other, God, I wish I was sat on a salary today. (laughs) You know, just like not having any of this stress of the employees or what's going on in the business. But at the end of the day, business can also be really, really fun. So I love to talk to you about, about, you know, you've mentored a lot of women over your time and you've probably seen a lot of businesses come and go. What does set people apart? I'm always fascinated to say, why is this business successful or this and this business isn't? Or why is this person really, you know, just going for it with all this enthusiasm and this person gives up? Like, what does set people apart? I've always been fascinated in this whole mindset piece when it comes to entrepreneurship. So I'd love to really dive into that. Oh, it's such a big topic that we could spend hours uncovering, I think. It's, it's <laughs> Let's do it. Really, <laughs> and, and, you know, what's interesting is that you can have this conversation with 100 different people and you'll get 100 different answers. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I recently did some research actually uh, for a presentation that I did on pitching <clears throat> and how – women get very different results based on the pitch that they do to an investment community or an investment committee. And a lot of those results 
are actually because they ask different questions during um, during the process. And it's quite extraordinary. Um, there is historically and statistically there is a natural gender bias and my understanding and my belief is that that natural gender bias comes from the difference between nature nature versus nature and and this gets you know goes goes way back I often refer to human society um if you think about caveman days where the man's natural instinct and natural physiological being was to go out and be the hunter-gatherer and the female was to maintain the home and to nurture the children and to, you know, protect the home whilst the, the male went out to hunt and gather. And I think if we bring that into today's society, the difficulty that we have is when the conversations come up around um, equality, non-gender bias, um, and how do we bring in diversification and equal pay and all of those things, which, and I actually think equal pay is a very different conversation to equality in the workforce, just that's my own opinion. Um, but I can naturally see how that has progressed in terms of where we started from as cavemen and where we are now or as cave people and where we are now, we are fundamentally, physiologically still built the same way, right? So men are still full of progesterone and testosterone and they are still the hunter-gatherer and the female is naturally still the nurturer. And there's no, you know, there, there are lots of people who don't agree with that opinion and that's okay. Um, it's just, you know, if I really think about it and, and I think back to when my children were really, really young playing with a doll's house and I've got two boys, right, and they were playing with their, they were at their cousin's house and they were playing with the doll's house and I was watching how they were interacting with that play and there's their little um, little cousin Jess and she's sitting at the doll's house and she's playing with the dolls inside the home and she's putting the doll to bed and she's giving it dinner or breakfast or whatever she was doing, but she was playing with the doll in the house. My boys had their dolls, whether they were superheroes or whatever dolls they actually had, and this particular doll happened to be catapulting off the roof of the house, <laughs> right? <laughs> but... No one, no adult was sitting there going, boys, this is how you need to be playing with this doll versus how Jess should be playing with hers. There is something inherent, um, inherently innate in how we respond physically and, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I believe that that categorically has, has transpired into the workforce. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm not necessarily, as I said, I, I don't necessarily believe there's a right or a wrong to that other than I do think we need to give it more credit in terms of this is how it has occurred. Mm -hmm. um, where I do see 
um, the biases come in that I don't agree with is is where we have fundamentally put women behind and put ourselves down, mm. um, both from men and women, because we haven't agreed with the way women might do their work or um, perhaps lead a team with empathy versus aggression, um, you know, and they're all the things that we're now having to re- to reverse um, and come back in time and, and actually make changes to. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're, that we're all facing. Yeah, 100%. I've never really thought about that before, but you've, you have really made some really good points there. And I think that if I reflect on the type of woman that I am personally, I would say I have a lot more masculine in me. And I've reflected on this myself because I grew up in a household watching my dad, who was the one that went out and worked and was the one that had his own business. And I taught myself from a young age that to get ahead and to be successful, I think I had to be masculine. I had to hold my own. I had to be powerful. I had to be assertive. I had to speak up. That's kind of what I believe I absorbed from a very young age, which is why I am probably more masculine in my leadership and Pam's definitely more nurturing. It's why I don't have children and Pam does. But I think that we're probably in a society now where there is a bit more of a spectrum and there's some women that are very clear that they want to start their own businesses. They want to be in leadership roles and they have a different approach. And there's other women that, uh, I guess more traditional and they're more nurturing and more, you know, of that sort of those, those softer skills. And I think that what I'm seeing now is that women are sort of like, really becoming very individual in their approaches and I guess there's no right or wrong but for for me I guess my journey has been almost leaning more towards my feminine and learning to actually be more empathetic because it's Mm -hmm. not something that's come naturally to me because it's not something that I watched from a young age it's something that I thought I want to have my business and therefore this is what I need to do to get ahead and to stand out and you know I remember my dad saying to me you know like if you want to be a strong female and you want to get ahead, like this is, this is kind of what you need to do. You know, you need to use your voice and stand up and be confident. And that was kind of drummed into me. So I think what you've just said there is just, I've not thought about that way before because it's probably not something that I've really given much thought to because naturally I have just been more in my masculine. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that's necessarily right either. And I think this, I've gone wrong in a lot of ways because I've worked myself into, burnout almost trying to get ahead and this is another thing problem in our society is that you know we're in this hustle culture and I think that we need to be more in a case of like listening and tapping into our own intuition which is in our feminine Mm. so everything you just said there is perfect and what what are your thoughts on that because like you know do you think that women you know can get ahead being in their feminine, being nurturers, being more empathetic, or do you think that as women we need to go into these boardroom meetings and be a bit more assertive? Like, wh- wh- where are women falling down? Why aren't we getting the funding that men are? Wh- what is going on? Like, only I've read a stat today that yeah. only 5% of VC money went to women um, startups. So what is going on? Is it, a, is it a bias? Is it a lack of confidence? You know, what, what are you seeing? Yeah. There, now you've said a couple of questions that, that you know <laughs> I could take that we could really unpack. There's mm. there's a couple of things that I want to answer um, from that perspective, and um, 
firstly, if we go back to masculine versus feminine mm-hmm. and that energy, the biggest lessons that I learnt from my divorce mm-hmm. was that I think what a lot of women don't necessarily understand or realise is that being that home person or, or doing the washing or doing the shopping or doing all the things traditionally that mm. women did is actually being in our masculine. Mm-hmm. So when you're in your masculine, it's a doing mm-hmm. versus when you're in your feminine, you're allowing and you're mm-hmm. receiving. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're in our masculine, and I, I do believe this is what happens, is that a lot of women tend to overdo the masculine. Mm. And then what happens is the male in their lives become emasculated. Mm. And when they become, and this is going to turn into a relationship <laughs> podcast, but when you emasculate a man, when you emasculate a man, if you've, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but upon reflection, reflection, what happens is he spends more time at work because that's where he feels most needed and wanted mm. versus spending more time at home because the female is doing everything at home because she's always complaining that he's always at work. Mm. But there's a reason for it. And I don't think enough women actually recognize that Mm -hmm. and I as I said it took me years after my divorce to unpack and understand what had happened in my marriage because I didn't understand it and my ex-husband could not articulate to me what I had done wrong Mm -hmm. and I kept because you know our marriage ended because he was no longer in love with me but I didn't know why. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but what's changed? How has this changed? I don't understand mm-hmm. why. And I did become resentful because he was constantly at work, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand why he was constantly at work. He thought it was because he was naturally providing. Mm-hmm. So over the years when I spent the time working on myself and really going deep into, okay, well, what is it that has created this? How do I feel when I'm wearing a pair of pants versus wearing a skirt? Do I feel feminine? And then how do I feel feminine wearing a pair of pants? Mm. Right? And I know that's really deep and some some women won't necessarily understand that at all and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? That's okay. But it is a journey and we all uncover it in our own time. But what I really did learn was that I totally emasculated him mm. by doing always doing the washing, always doing everything to do with the house and the kids so that all he had to do was come home and be present. Mm -hmm. And he, yeah, where and and because I traditionally was brought up in that environment where my mum did the same for my dad, I thought Mm -hmm. that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, I think and believe these days if you have a shared a household where duties are shared where the doing things are shared a lot more you Mm -hmm. probably end up with a much happier relationship because Mm -hmm. you're both in the giving and receiving and I think Mm -hmm. that's really important to know if 
you are giving and receiving. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing in terms of the masculine versus the the, the fem, feminine. So can mm-hmm. we constantly be in our masculine? The answer to me is no, because I believe we lose our inner goddess. Mm-hmm. We really we, we squash her. We don't let her yes. come out and play. Mm-hmm. And again, that's something I've learned over time is that we have to allow her to come out and play, and it's okay to sit back and allow ourselves to receive. Mm. But how hard is it? Because Mm. I think we have all these expectations now that we have to run a household, we have to, you know, manage the kids and we have to work. A, Mm. because half of us can't afford not to, not Mm. to have two incomes when we have children. But Mm. B, because it's almost become an expectation from society. Yeah, And I think, mm-hmm. sadly, as much as I think social media has, you know, has its place and, and has some great benefits, I also believe um, that it causes more harm than good. Mm-hmm. It has created an absolute monster in our mm-hmm. children, in their perspectives, in our own perspectives, even as adults. Mm-hmm. So going back to that was a really long-winded answer and I haven't and so the second part <laughs> of that is entrepreneurs and, and the bias and female founders. So 2.3% of venture capital globally is deployed to female founders. And that stat so, actually say that, went say down. Say that again because that was insane, 2.3%. 2.3%. Mm-hmm. Prior to COVID, it was, it was 4%. And then during COVID, it fell to 2.3%. And so, exactly, wow. And we really need to question why. And there's so much, again, that we can unpack over that. But traditionally, the stats tell us, A, that women don't go out first and foremost and try and raise um, comparatively to men. And I I do sadly think that's got a lot to do with self-worth and self-belief. Um, B, those who do go out and raise or try and raise, unfortunately are very much um, up against majority of the investment committee being men. And the reason the majority of the investment, I think that the stat there is 14% of females sit in leadership roles within a venture capital firm. So what we actually need to do is change that statistic in order to change the funding. And the reason for that is because there's a couple of reasons in my opinion. Again, this is just my opinion and there will be lots of people who who might beg to differ and I'm open to other opinions as well. You know, this is just my thoughts. But um one of those reasons is because women traditionally in the in the startups that women are working on and the problems they're trying to solve are problems that men haven't necessarily come up against, right? So they're solving these huge problems, but as a male, you go, well, I don't really understand what you're trying to solve, so therefore I'm not going to back the startup, which is really, really interesting. Um, and traditionally women are coming up with these ideas in order to solve this bias as well 
you know it's it's to be able to help women um educate her children from home or it might be to help um with after school activities or it might be a new calendar app that integrates 16,000 calendars because that's what we're expected to do these days you know it's it whereas a man wouldn't uh, so many men turn around and go oh I've never thought about that before and you go, yeah, well, but that's because you've never had to because the expect- expectation, society's expectation on men is different to the expectation it has on women. And that that is first and foremost where it comes from. Then it's the expectation that we put on ourselves and how we're brought up. So from that, it stems back, in my opinion, down to education. But the education has to start in primary school. And I wish that there had been more entrepreneurial education, um, A, in in my time, but B, for my children, and they're not even that old. You know, they're, they're late teens now. But as young kids, I wish we had have done more things around design thinking and, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And I still have those conversations with them, but it is very much tainted by by what society now um, establishes over social media. Absolutely, and I think it's, it's really important what you've said there in terms of that stat about the percentage of females that are actually on the boards at VC companies. And really interestingly, we've actually got an amazing um, female of our advisory board for Sisterhood Club, Liza Boston, and she's a female VC had for many years, and she would agree with you. Mm. the The problem is that men don't even realise that they have these unconscious biases. Yeah. You know, there's men that would sit on the board, and she hears them hears them sit on the table going, "I've got three daughters and my wife, and I'm fully supportive." And then she physically sees them in the room making these decisions on who to make investments in and she says the biases that come out but they are so unconscious mm. of what they're actually saying and that they do have these deeply ingrained biases um, that are so that you know come from society i mean the way they've they've grown up and the decade that they've grown up right. in right um so it's it's such a complex issue and yep. it's a case of we know that in order for change that so we do need more females in these positions you know and and how do we absolutely get there and but the, the whole masculine feminine thing as well you know you're you're so right it's, it's it's deeply ingrained and we georgie and i actually have a tech recruitment firm as well and we actually speak with a lot of female leaders um and females in business and sometimes i sort of see women acting in a way in business that i feel is not really true to themselves and i think it's a really important dialogue to get out there to female leaders that it is okay to allow empathy emotion compassion all these feminine type traits to emerge in the workplace right mm-hmm. because that can actually have a really positive impact in the direction of a business you know we need more women that have got a seat at the table in the senior senior leadership tables because we do bring a different dynamic and a beautiful dynamic at that mm-hmm. but it's interesting in terms of the way that women show up to even pitch their ideas and I think that to just very gently touch upon the education piece what is actually taught in schools has got to change and evolve I've got two daughters myself and I would mm-hmm. love for them to be taught about personal development 
mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, having courage and, you know, having um, self-belief and you know, how to be assertive because we often see, you know, we've been to a couple of nights recently and we have watched the differences in behaviours of women pitching and men pitching their products or their business ideas and it's night mm-hmm. and day. You can almost see some of the females, they're holding back, almost looking for that reassurance, like, you're doing well, you're doing well, keep going, keep going. Um, we're at a pitch night recently and a woman, compl- great business idea, but completely controlled the pitch and she mm-hmm. just got a complete blank. Whereas we noticed the men get up and they just have got self-belief in abundance. I'm not saying that that's always the way, but it's genuinely been something that we've noticed recently. So again, with the Sisterhood Club, we've got a sisterhood school, access the education piece behind that. We want to teach certain things to adults, which should be taught from a young age but unfortunately mm. it isn't you know it falls on the parents um I wanted to I wanted to lean in uh on what you just said about confidence because that is fundamentally one of the reasons why as well um why women don't get funded as much because ultimately particularly in early stage startups um the the number one thing that an investment committee will look for or someone watching a pitch is actually the founder. And so unless you have complete conviction and passion for what you are doing and how you get that across, you will find it more difficult to get that funding. And it's it, it's it's really flawed the way we pitch because, you know, we, we go to these pitch nights and we, we give them our 60-second or five-minute elevator pitch, whatever it might be, yeah. yet most investors will tell you they won't invest straight away, they won't invest, they won't put their money in on day one, mm-hmm. and they want to build a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So how do they build a relationship with you if, you're, if they've based it on a 30-second or a one-minute pitch? Mm-hmm. Um, how do they get to understand who you are and your passion behind what you're trying to build? Yes. So I think there's fundamentally a flaw right there in terms yeah. of, yeah, let's go to a pitch night, but let's go and um, invest $5 million in your company and yeah. make that decision over two years. Yeah, yeah. So there's a real disconnect there. But the other thing that, that you brought up in terms of men are more confident than women, again, if we look at the fundamentals of how that happens, that is very much based on A, upbringing, B, education, and C, what are we made up of? You know, mm-hmm. is it because there is a bit more testosterone in there and mm-hmm. and because of that testosterone there's a bit more ego mm-hmm. and that ego gives them the encouragement to be able to have that confidence. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, again, there's no right or wrong here, mm-hmm. but if we look really fundamentally behind that, why? Why are men so much more confident than women in yeah. some instances? I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. It's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. I, know, I know loads of confident women um, and, and certainly more confident women than, than men. But is that a reason? that Do we need to look at that? Do we need to question that and therefore revisit how we listen to pictures or how we integrate that? Yeah. When we were at our last pitch night, we were like, the, it's not a natural way for people to present their business ideas. 
to have 60 seconds or a couple of minutes on a floor in front of a room full of people. That's not natural. It's not how you're going to get the best out of people. So, like, out of interest, in what do you, in what way do you feel that we could get women to pitch business ideas that would encourage them to show up as the best versions of themselves in a safe space where they're actually able to thrive? Yeah, I think it's more about, I, I personally think a lot of the, a lot of women and certainly the ones that I've mentored and, and, and worked with to date are looking for that safe space and community where they can connect they can connect with like-minded entrepreneurs. They can connect with women who are, you know, working on the world's to-do list, but also who get the entrepreneurial journey. And they don't want to stand up there in front of a hundred people pitching their idea. If you've never mm-hmm. been brought up to be, a, you know, a, a um, public speaker, or if you're not the person who's necessarily um, you know, confident to go and do that, but you're much more confident in a one-on-one surrounding, then mm-hmm. for me the, the ideal scenario is find a community where you can go and do that. Mm-hmm. And there are so many of them out there. But when we are on that entrepreneurial journey, we don't necessarily look for them. We look for pitch nights and we look for, you know, accelerators but an accelerator isn't necessarily always the answer um it could be that you're just wanting a community that you can be part of so you know for instance Mm -hmm. there's one roof for women and that's an online community Mm -hmm. that is amazing there's the sisterhood club um you know Mm -hmm. that you guys are creating or i see and we naturally say that that you guys that you ladies are creating yeah Um, ladies i don't i say that all the time actually that, that yeah, the absolutely. ladies are creating. There's, you know, Atto, which is an accelerator, but that's okay. It, like there's, it's it's finding your tribe because women mm. need their tribe. That's how we do things yes. in life. Yeah. Mm. And 100% exactly. My Pam and I, when we first came up with the sisterhood, we both got so excited about it because we've seen firsthand that women have gone to start their businesses, then lost funding, um, had to go back to get a job or just don't have the confidence, don't have the self-belief. I think that what you sometimes need is a little bit someone going, you've got this. Mm-hmm. You have got this. I believe in you. How can we help? Who can we introduce you? Sometimes that's all it takes, just an introduction. Yep. That's sometimes all you need. Some, just one person just open the door or one person just to say, to highlight your business and your mission. Sometimes we are literally one introduction away from taking off and that that excites me right but again it's the whole networking net you know knowing your worth and then putting yourself out there and all of that again is confidence Mm. believing in yourself I think that is the core issue and Mm. you're you're so right it all starts from that primary school level and you know I I was shopping for um Pam's daughter the other day it was her birthday and I'm going into these toy shops and it's like girls are sold ironing boards and cooking i'm thinking hang on a second and i go to the building blocks and you know computer games i'm thinking what do we teach young generation well we need to really be aware that that these messages start from Mm. the womb Mm -hmm. right as soon as they come out women are are at advantage but as as parents and i know pam takes this very seriously as 
uh, mentors to younger girls, which I like to think I am, we need to also lead by example. We need to be the ones using our voices and we cannot be what we cannot see. And I think that this is what we need to do now. We need to all help each other rise. We need to all help create a safe space for women to use their voices. It's why we started this podcast. Mm. We need to listen to strong women, women that are doing incredible things because it shines a light into what's possible. And that's what we need to see because there's plenty of room at the top. Mm. But let's help everyone get there because we need more seats at the table. That's so, yeah. so important because I think we can all agree that there's, you know, too many uh, men perhaps in in positions of power. And it's probably why we're in a lot of these situations that we're in now is because we're not dealing with empathy, not thinking about Mother Earth. We're not thinking about all these issues that society is facing. And if we don't change it, we're... Mm you know, we're not creating a very good future for anyone. So mm. this no. is why Pam and I are very passionate about female empowerment. Yeah. And I think, look, we, we do have uh, a long way to go, but yeah, the, what my mantra is we can't do it alone, but we can certainly do mm. it together. And so the yes. more of us who can come along and do it together with amazing men, there are so many amazing men out there who oh, do absolutely. want to be yes. a part of it. Yes. They want yes. to help. You know, yeah. and and so where I get a little bit frustrated is when there are these women women's groups and, and, and empowerment groups, but they actually become or are extremist groups. Mm. And so it's women for women and women for women and women for women, but you can't have that. We only mm-hmm. make up fifty percent of the population. Yes. You have to have the feminine and the masculine energy to be in flow. So without that masculine energy, all we end up doing is hitting our heads against a brick wall and you end up with this, you know, feminine versus feminine energy that just becomes toxic in my opinion Um, and, you know, it's really difficult. How do we... I, I like to say we can't solve discrimination. We're never going to solve discrimination with discrimination. Mm, yeah. Good, yeah. Right. Why should why should we discriminate against men? Yes. Yeah. And why should I? I'm a mother of two boys. Mm-hmm. Why should I be on this rampage of women for women? Mm. What am I teaching them? It's mm. how you educate your boys as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And you know how boys are brought up in order to respect women, value women, value their opinions, how they listen to women, because ultimately we do yeah. express things differently, mm-hmm. and um. You know, it's 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 a very very complex issue, but I think the education around, you know, trying to change the dialogue in terms of how we speak to our children that are five girls, um, you know, how we encourage them to grow up and how we educate them and encourage them to be more confident is equally as important to make sure that we're having an open dialogue with our boys and yeah. the sons and and how we uh, how we nurture them. Um, but I, yeah. it's just it's such an important conversation as well. You know, some incredible men in my life as well, and I think that you're right. Some of the female leaders can become, you know, the balance sort of tips over. Mm. Um, but I would not be able to show up the way that I show up on a day to day basis. I would not be able to do what I have done. I would not be able to achieve what I've achieved without the support of my husband. Mm. And we very much do have yep. an equal footing in the house. Which we didn't have for a long time. This has been sort of something that's, you know, progressively evolved. we've grown with each other. But, you know, mm. we very much do have like our roles in the household. 
um and it's it, it, his support is absolutely enabled me to thrive in, in my career and go away and spend some time nurturing our first business now sisterhood club as well so it is really important to have that tribe that tribe can be made up mm. with so many different people absolutely. so i think it's important you know we have got a business called sisterhood club but we very much sisterhood club would also not be what it is today without the support of kyle who mm. plays a very huge role in the business as well and if we can just touch upon ego yeah. um i think that that is something that's incredibly important and again how we speak to to young girls so for example my mum is an incredible woman she is one of the I couldn't ask a better mother however she was born in the 1950s her and my dad have had a very very mm-hmm. traditional marriage my dad did work my mum was at home um, and she an wore an apron right and had, had the roast chicken <laughs> absolutely had the roast chicken ready for dinner when he walked in the door yeah, and the beer right yeah my mum ended up in hospital yeah. Um, one time and my dad did not know how to turn the oven or turn on the washing machine right. mum was affronted so because he took the washing into the next door neighbour so there was a whole education piece that went up <laughs> in our household after that I tell you um, but you know mum if I actually think back like, I am a very I would class myself as assertive and confident Georgie no, yep. absolutely. but <laughs> there, I absolutely do not enjoy being the centre of attention now put me in a round table or have me in a discussion I can absolutely hold my own the thought of doing a keynote speech terrifies the living daylights of me um, and I find that really interesting but if I sort of unpack some of the messaging that I actually had coming through from my childhood Pamela don't get too big for your boots you know don't forget where you've come from oh don't don't be too outspoken about that Pamela come on you know those sort of messages and it is interesting you know, that stemmed from my mum's era and that was the 1950s. She was born in 1952 and mm-hmm. that sort of trickled through. And I think, hmm, is that the reason why I sometimes hold back on mm. sharing what my own honest opinion is? Because mm. I don't want to be too much like that. And it's almost like, mm. as a female, has it been ingrained in me? Don't be egotistical, Pamela. Don't mm. let that through, you know, keep, keep that at bay. You know, so it's interesting the message that comes through, and that's something that I've only really recently unpacked. And I'm 37 years old now, and I'm thinking, hmm, it's not that you have your own daughters that you really start to unpack your own childhood as well. Yeah. Whereas, would yeah. that be the messaging that would be taught had I been a son? Hmm. You know, so I, I love some of the things that you touched upon, Jackie, because I think it all does stem back to our childhood. Hmm. It absolutely does. And, you know, even, like I said, if I look at my marriage, I know that a lot of our, both of our behaviours stemmed from our upbringing. And when you're in the marriage and you're young and, and you're carefree and you before children and all of those things, you don't necessarily think about that. So there's a lot to be said for entrepreneurship and life experience as well. Because you do tend to put that life experience or reflect on it and then put it back into your your company. And so there's two things I, I wanted to mention as well. One is statistically women or female founders who do get funded tend to deliver close to th- a three times higher return to their investors than their male counterparts. 
And so we have to question why that is again. And one of those reasons I do believe is because we do lead with empathy and we nurture. Not all of us do, but, you know, we, we tend to naturally nurture over ego. And then the other thing that I wanted to say was um, with funding. Oh, there there is, and this is, Again, it's frustrating because I've had conversations with VCs and I understand this point of view, but their their perspective is, well, if you can't get out there and shine amongst all these other pitches, if you can't have a conversation publicly, if you can't um, spruik your, your company with passion and self-belief and confidence, then how are you going to lead this company? Mm, interesting. And I used to agree with it and I used to say, yeah, okay, fair enough, I understand that. But since then, I've also come to realise that being a great leader doesn't have to be or have to mean being a complete extrovert. You can Mm. be an incredible leader and not be extroverted, right? Mm. You can lead empathetically you can lead with beauty and grace and um you know I think Brene Brown is a brilliant example of that she is the first person in this on earth to turn around and say I'm not extroverted in fact I'm terrified of being an extrovert I'm an introvert Mm -hmm. but look at the way she leads yes she can public speak and now she can Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be an extrovert to be an amazing leader and therefore you also mm-hmm. don't need to be an extrovert or a public speaker or you shouldn't have to be to get funding. Mm-hmm. And that I do think is, is a fundamental flaw in the way we mm-hmm. look at investment. 100%. Jackie, I could sit here and talk to you all day because I just feel like <laughs> no. you just touch upon so many important topics in our society today and I feel like we've really hopefully given all of our amazing listeners a lot of things to just think just sit with and ponder maybe sort of really reflect upon and think you know where do my beliefs come from why aren't I you know that confident why do I believe myself like what is going on and 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 how can I overcome this so hopefully there's a lot of takeaways in this conversation I know I always come away from these types of conversations really reflecting on my own upbringing and my my beliefs and things so I just want to thank you for your time today and I know that our listeners get so much value out of um, today's episode but for, for anyone that's listening to this now to find out more about yourself and any mentorship and business advice where should you send them yeah absolutely um hit me up on linkedin come and find me on linkedin it's just jackie bloom j-a-c-q-u-i-b-l-o-o-m um more than happy to help wherever i can um my my passion is to have impact wherever i can so if i can help in some way through my network or community then more than happy to help thank you so much for today jackie and thank you for everyone listening have a great day wherever you are and we'll speak to you again soon Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give a little share on your social. And if you have time, please leave a review. And I hope to see you next time. Take care.